Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, and that means it is time for The Art of the CEO. It's a show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. How do you do? I am your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of Business, and I am wishing each and every one of you a very happy Bastille Day. And whether you are a daytime clerk and nighttime stock person at a chain store like Pat, or an economist for the U.S. Census Bureau like Tom, we are here to bring you the Sage Council of Business Masters to help your career and your business. Today's episode is entitled, Making Innovation More Than a Buzzword. Yes, today we are going to take that overworked but oh-so-necessary term innovation and show just how managers can blend the exciting feeling into their team and entire organization of starting with something new and and, uh, always improved, by the way. And so just think, how do you inspire and fulfill and credit your employees to give them dreams of company improvement? Well, fortunately, today we have Mr. Darrell Gunter, who is returning to our show uh, to help us out. Darrell has spent much of his three-decade career as a key executive in Dow Jones, Elsevier, Alexis, the American Institute of Physics, and others. Uh, he's been teaching the big boys how to take best advantage of their electronics and intellectual property, and plus take much better care of all those folks who generate that information. Currently, the very busy Mr. Gunter is a professor at Seton Hall University, radio host of his own FM show on leadership, and he is the CEO of the Gunter Media Group. But before we harvest uh, Darrell's many ideas and solve all your managerial problems out there, let me take just a few moments to supply you with a few utensils for our feast of wisdom. First, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And that is the most important job you have in your life. Will this be the day that you find fun and reach out to some new challenge with the smile and sweat it so richly deserves? Or or will you let the vicious teeth of fear begin to nibble away at your very precious life? The choice is truly yours. Second, it is time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. Let me get it here. Hold on. Let me thumb through. Give me a moment. Ah, oh, here we are. Here we are. 84 in Darrell's honor. Spend money training your people, and they may just leave you. But don't train them at all, and they will doubtless stay with you forever. (laughs) As an afterthought, if you want the best ROI after training an employee, invite her to present her new information in a relaxed seminar before the rest of the team. Just a thought. For the third utensil, perhaps we should call this day's utensil the stakeholder's slicer, we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. Now today, before we leave the air, we will broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us uh, the name of the author as you believe it to be. Simply write the name of the author uh, to info at bartsbooks.com. That is I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. 
And if you are correct, we will send you a small gift. The author of last week's quote, the individual who was most recently heard to say, a meeting is an event at which minutes are kept and hours are lost, was none other than our hard-fighting president, Mr. Barack Obama. Now, let us dig into today's feast and call upon the long-time leadership expertise of Mr. Darrell Gunter. Darrell, welcome back to our show. How are you doing today? Bart, thank you. It's such a great day today. It's so good to be welcomed back to the show. I enjoyed our last conversation that we had. Yeah, we did have fun. We did have fun. I told you I'd have to hear back. I uh, want to also wish you a happy Bastille Day, Darrell. And I was wondering if you knew that when the the oppressed French people stormed the Bastille prison in 1789, they opened the doors, flung wide the prison, and they found and released only seven prisoners. But the whole thing stood in the people's mind as a symbol, and the launch point became a launch point of the entire revolution. So what do you think? I was just wondering if you've seen some symbols out there in companies that could do the little tearing down to make employees a bit more fulfilled and productive. Any ideas? Oh, no doubt about it. You know, the one thing that uh, I always watch for when I visit with a particular company is to look at the, the behavior and to look at how everyone going about their business. And, and typically, uh-huh. when you... That folks are grabbing a cup of coffee and they're and they're and they're talking nice and easy, but you don't hear that edge in the voice. That's probably one of the things that the company is not living on a not living on an innovation edge, if you will. I mean, believe me, I believe in uh, uh, establishing good rapport with all of the team members and uh, getting everyone uh-huh. to talk you know, how their good their weekend was. But at some point, it's got to be about, hey, what did we achieve last week, and did we achieve it, and if not, why not, and what are we going to do this week? So that's one of the first things that, that, that I take, take a look at. The other aspect that I look at is that I look at how employees are judged and managed. And, and typically, oh, okay. If you look at their particular uh, job description and you look at their performance uh-huh. review of setting, if it, if it reads like a yarn, then it is a yarn, which means that you're not participating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good Lord, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that uh, many of these uh, a performance review is the whole reason that you institute them is to bring health and information to the employee and employer and create a, a better rapport rather than to make it a confession or a, uh, a whipping tool. And I, I know, and or, as you say, something that's so boringly pro forma that you say, I just can't wait to get through this darn thing. Anyway, moving as we, you were sort of taking us on to our topic, which uh, for me is a great problem, but nonetheless, um, I have trouble staying on track. But innovation, as I've noticed, has become an already used buzzword, uh, overused buzzword. And I think, though, a lot of folks out there confuse innovation with sort of technological advance. Uh, Could you give us a a quick definition of, of real business innovation and perhaps maybe one fun example that you've noted? Absolutely. Well, you know, first of all, innovation is a word that's overused, but it's, it's severely underutilized. 
And <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Overused but underutilized. Right. Because a lot of folks really don't understand what it is. And I, let me give you a very simple example. When I okay. was an accountant for Dow Jones in Los Angeles selling the Dow Jones Financial News Services, I had to go into a brokerage shop, whether it was for fixed income securities or international securities uh-huh. or domestic securities. And I had yeah. to tell this broker that he needed to use my news. And I pretty much had about 30 seconds to a minute to make my pitch because they were trading live. Oh, today. yeah. The typical thing that I had to do was to demonstrate in as few clicks as possible how I was going to improve his day. Innovation ah, is okay. improving performance. It's all about solving a problem. And innovation can come in many different ways. Uh, quite frankly, it could be a process. It could be a procedure. Sure, could it be technology? Absolutely. But I tell you, I've seen folks with the with the best technological uh, tools, but because their processes were broke, they lost all of the edge that the technology gave them because they were not. Uh, Can yeah. we make this process better? At the end of the day, we want customers to be delighted. And when I say customers, I'm talking about both our internal customers and our uh-huh. customers. Okay. I think you're right. I think, you know, I, it's you're absolutely true that, that we do not consider the whole framework of what we're putting out. And the technology does not make things happen. It is people who supply that power. And boy, you jolly well better be plugged in. Uh, in your recent uh, Semantica white paper, uh, which I read with great interest, you asked your audience to consider two possibly embarrassing questions. And I'm going to read them because I just love them. Number one, ask yourself, folks, what have you or your company uh, innovated and implemented and implemented within the last 24 months? And number two, how do your innovations compared with those of your competitors? My friends, are you envious? Uh, now, why, why I'm interested, Daryl, how do you think most folks are scoring on that? Are, are most companies really actively creating new methods? I mean, are we getting any better here or not? You know what? I think there's a small minority of companies that are actually uh, living this, this, uh, this whole process of being innovative and outthinking your competitors. There's a book that I love called How to Outthink Your Competitors. And yes, establishing uh, a body of work within your environment where everyone is always looking to, to do whatever function they do better. And I find that you find that, as again, a small minority of people are doing it, but also with even worse part, you'll find that there's only a few people who are actually asking themselves this question, which means uh, that right. they're what we call unconsciously incompetent. They don't know what they don't know. They don't I know that because they're not trying. Oh, Darrell, I think that's very good. Ladies and gentlemen, now, I put that down as a quill pen moment. Dip your pen in the, in the inkwell and scribble that down. That you 
that most people don't know what they don't know, and they aren't asking the question. You're not going to improve if you don't ask the question, how can I improve? And use that not as a question occasionally asked at performance reviews, but as a daily business workday mindset. So I'm really glad you brought that one up. Now, in your paper, uh, Durrell, and you you talk about a culture of innovation. Um, you, you sort of hinted at what that was when you talked about walking into the shop and, and seeing how people act. But but what what is a culture of, in, of of innovation? And could you give us a couple of firms that, that you've seen that might be doing it right? Absolutely. I mean, historically speaking, I mean everyone knows about Google, and in Google sure. provides of folks 15 to 20 percent of their time that they can devote to any new innovative project that they want to, which is very cool. But one of the first inventors of innovation, of course, was Thomas Edison um, right. with, all of, with all of his developments. But 3M actually was one of the companies that I studied uh, that really has a series of different types of programs that encourage innovation. For example, of course, they allow time to work on individual projects that they feel will be innovative. Secondly, Mm -hmm. they have established uh, funding uh, for people who uh, want to take their ideas to the next level and need funds to do that. And they have a committee. Oh, okay. And then for the folks who are successful in doing it, they have what they call a society of innovators. And then, of course, I didn't description and their performance reviews. Innovation is 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 uh, blended in there in a way where the the, the team member and I use team member uh, versus employee because when people are right. part of the team, means that everybody has a role in in making the environment better. But within their job and their performance reviews. Um, they are encouraged, but also they are rewarded for their innovative efforts. So imagine if you're an employee at 3M, right. you're not of an innovative type, you're going to fill out a place, and you're going to say, hmm, maybe this isn't the right place for me, and self-select yourself out of there. But more importantly, I don't think 3M has that problem because the people that they hire, when they go through the process, they talk about innovation. They talk about what gifts do they feel that they're going to bring to the table. So this is not something that's done once a quarter or once a year. This is this is something that is a breathing part of the, of their culture. And, of course, they celebrate innovation. So people who are successful, they're, they're giving rewards, they're giving awards, they're, they're giving recognition. And so people know, hey, we are all about innovation here at 3M. So yes, so three of I, I think is the the, the 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 hallmark, if you will, of innovative companies. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. There's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. The comment on that you just said. Uh, first of all, I like that you mentioned Thomas Edison. He was one of his uh, quotes that I've always enjoyed. Is this? We aren't having any rules here, son. We're trying to invent something here, and that was something he would yell rather, rather frequently. Like the, like the guy. Um, but another thing is, is that you've uh, talked about hiring top talent and people who uh, you can have a person who's very talented and very able, but who does not 
take to new challenge as well. He wants to find something, perform it, get better at it. Uh, and other people just love the, the shifting sands of challenges. And you, as, as a manager, I know that you have to get, you have to make that decision and find that. There's place for both in your organization. But, but I, I, I see what you're saying. But you did mention one thing about GM, and I, I'm, I was going to ask you this later, but I'll ask it now. Uh, do you believe in uh, a this elite innovative department? Do you believe in an innovation department, a creative department? Don't you, I mean, there is a cow out there that the rest of you are, folks, are just chop livers, so put your head down, keep plodding along, don't lift your head up and do what the, what, the, what the really sharp innovators tell you to, in the meantime, just shut up and collect your paycheck. Uh, you know, do we want a, uh, uh, an innovative department? And if so, what's their role with the rest of the team? Well, you know, I think, I think every company is different. Every company has... Right. Their, uh, skill sets that they need. To your earlier point, you can have, you can have an employee who is very precise in getting their job done and they're going to fix right. the rules and they're not going to be innovative. There's a place for them too because they are being very productive. The most important thing is that you want to have, uh, productive employees. Now, there could right. be a situation where you know, you, you, you know, you have your business that you're running and, and you're running it very well and you have the people, but then you might need to have, uh, some people who you want to invest more in. And so what you're saying to the people, hey, this is a perk of prestige that if you get elevated to the innovation department, um, that means that this, everybody has something to strive for. And keep in mind that yeah, okay. in, in today's world, People come and people go, right? And, right. and, and I, think, I think that's perfectly fine because I think everybody has to fulfill their personal ambitions. So that always creates new opportunities for people. But if it's positioned that, hey, you know, we like Xerox, uh, I was an employee of Xerox years ago selling copiers. Uh, but Xerox yeah, yeah. something Xerox Park. And Xerox Park was where they did all of this new, innovative, cool stuff. And people would work to ascend to that. So I think that's a nice goal to have. And you're not saying to the other companies, you're not, you're not good enough. They'll say that, hey, we have 10 spots. And as soon as one opens up, you qualify, boom, you're in. Uh, but that's all right. I like that. I like that, Darrell. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the, the midpoint of our feast. And so, uh, much as I hate to start the flow of wisdom here, let's, let's take a brief survey. And it's time for me to introduce the company to you by whose good graces we are here today. That firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides, and you may visit them at www.bartsbooks.com, B A R T S B O O K S.com, and explore a wide wealth of business tools. Prometheus Publishing will also like to invite those who are enjoying today's show to take a look at two of our books that are related. Number one, uh, Super Teams, which is a book penned by noted managerial consultant and author Dr. Paul Marciano, in which he tells how respect unleashes profits. And also, uh, our book, So That's How They Do It, a guide which reveals how business masters may bring fulfillment to themselves and success to their companies. Finally, if you like today's business quip, be sure to visit BartsBooks.com and sign up to have more quips delivered every week to your cyber door for free. It's, uh, you, we could all use a little laughter. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, and those rather bizarre folks in the back room will fall into neither category, we are back with our leadership eagle and pathfinder for innovation, Mr. Drell Gunter. And uh, I know that uh, we, we were talking about a culture and setting things up. Uh, and now, I want to know that, that uh, from the leader's point of view, uh, we all know that a leader cannot create a corporate culture. It is any more than a president can uh, totally direct an economy. But you have, you have to begin somewhere. If you are a leader who's coming into a, a sort of a traditional high-bound group, uh, what are some of the initial moves that you think a, a leader might make to set a more innovative tone, to kind of spark the fire? Well, I, I think that it's important to, to uh, get everyone on the same page in regards to where the company currently is in regards mm. to um, their competition, in regards to the industry, uh. and ask ourselves, well, what is our goal? So, I mean, some yeah. companies, okay. if they within within their their uh, their competition, they might be number five, and if they listen, right. don't we want to be number one? Because let me tell you, uh, being number five is not healthy. Uh, because if we become number six or seven, we might find ourselves all out of jobs. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we really want to like a little reality brush. Right. So we want to get everyone on the same page in regards to where the company is, and then of course where we want it to be, and also do a gap analysis in regards to okay, you know, what are our, what is our strengths? Where are our weaknesses? Where are our opportunities? Where are our threats? Okay. Now. And then you want to share those ideas, right? We, we want them talking. We want them to oh, okay. good, good, good. recognize that, hey, we're all responsible for the performance of this company. So if we look at our current performance and we all say that we're not satisfied, what is it that we can do to improve our performance so that we can then begin to delight ourselves? So now we got everyone's attention, everyone is on board. We're not talking down to them because they're, they're, we're just asking questions. They're talking at us. The next thing we want to do is say, okay, let's work out our, our mission, our, our vision, our mission, and then what is going to be our key objectives and what's our strategy to make this a reality. Okay. Okay, you're just laying it out there for them. Now, this sounds familiar, uh, a little bit like your paper. Tell us a little bit about your concept of a, of a, a performance dashboard, if you would, Darrell. Okay, performance dashboard. The performance dashboard is how we keep score. Um, oh. You know what? When we go out to a baseball game, first thing that sure. we do, like, of course, if you're stuck in traffic and you're listening to the game on the radio and you park your car and you go up, first thing your eyes look at is the scoreboard, right? Well, you know. Yeah, you right, know, right. Well, same thing in business. If we said that we're going to uh, establish this program and, you know, we said, okay, now we're going to visit this program uh, six months later, see how we're done, you know what? The, the horse has already left the barn and, and you can't make any changes. <laughs> you say, yeah, yeah. In six months, this is where we want to be, but we're going to measure our performance every week, and we're going to look at those. Very oh, I'm glad you sang that, Terrell. I really am glad people listen to that one. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Absolutely, and and so the performance dashboard allows you to measure the key metrics that are so important in managing your your, your business, 
so that if you're doing a particular activity and you're not getting the result that you want, then it, 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 it makes sense that you need to change that activity. What Thomas Edison was it? I know Einstein said the um, uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. So right, right. Uh -huh. say, if this particular activity is not getting the result we want, then we need to change the activity. So this and this allows everyone to weigh in as a team to to say, okay, this is how we're doing, and we celebrate success. But we we look at where we're not doing so well. We make changes. Right, that's why God made champagne to celebrate success. Give me a couple of metrics, a couple of indicators on the performance test, but not all, but just a couple that that are, are key. Okay, so let's say if, if you if you want sales to increase to to, to ten million in six months, well, right. in order to get the sales, you got to have good prospects, right? And, and right. Uh, the good prospects will allow you to to uh, convert those people to sales. And then you need the right, right. amount of, of, of suspects. So you look at the the calls that are being made. You look at your target list and say, here are the calls that are being made. How many of these uh -huh. suspects are we in the prospects? How many of these prospects are we presenting to? And how and, and what is our rate of closure? So you're following all of the metrics all the way through. But also you're looking at the quality of the presentations that are being done as well. So you got the, the quality uh, side of okay. the Right. I, I see what you're saying is that you, you have a, uh, you've got something that is coming in and uh, you're, you're, it's easy to catch your chickens, but you want to say, how, how, am I, uh, what am, how am I dealing with the chicken? How am I... Uh, Making the, am I giving them the right kind of pitch? And all of this is, goes on that performance dashboard. I think this is something is, that uh, enough of us, uh, too many companies, I'm sorry, are not doing. And just one final thing I'd like to bring up because it, it is sort of final. Thomas Edison said that vision without impl implementation is hallucination. Could you give yes, us right. one good example of an implementation program? In other words, the idea comes in, it's been the innovative idea, has, has landed on the desk, everyone says, hooray, uh, what's a, give us a good implementation, Im implementation structure. Any ideas? Let's give you a situation which, which we all face today, and that is bad customer service. And right. It's, it's a known fact that, um, you know, if you're giving bad customer service, the customers are not going to go back. And we had a situation True. when I was at Elsevier where um, our customers had given us uh, a red rating. If we're using the street lights, you know, green is good, yellow is hazard, red is bad. And what we what we were able to do was to um, measure. My wife does that for me, and every morning I have to get from work like hell. Yeah, you know, right. Go ahead. So what we did is that uh, uh, we would have an uh, independent uh, person, research person, call up, you know, if there was 100 customers, they would call up 20% of them and ask them, uh -huh. you know, what was the problem. And they, would, and they would express what the problem was. And we would address that problem. Ah. We, we, would, we, would, we would implement a program to address that customer situation. And then oh, the very good, very good. survey because we trained everyone right on the spot, we did not expect to see that particular situation, that problem again. And Whoa. we took our we took our customer service scores that were in the red. This was uh, 2003, um, and we we 
in green by that June. Whoa, Jarrell, that is that is good. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I think you should listen to that. You just and it's it we're not talking rocket science here. We're just talking about logically way logically setting up solutions to problems that are evident if you just put your mind to it and no one tries to take uh, possession of an idea, but you all build off of what you've got there. Darrell, this has been a wonderful show. You have really given us so so much advice, and I hope everybody walks away a little better uh, informed about innovation as a tool. So, uh, as we round out today's show, uh, allow me to leave you with today's business quotation, and that is, who said... Let them eat cake. Hint, she was the queen of the original trickle-down economic kingdom. And remember, if you know the author to that quote, just write it in to info at bartsbooks.com, and we'll read uh, your name on the air if you got it right and send you a small gift. Finally, as a parting shot in the words of my wife's husband, even a turkey can flutter outside the box. Question is, Does he think any sharper once he's out there? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a privilege. I thank you. Good afternoon.